Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. It's The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe, and we're here today with a couple of guests that are going to talk about real estate as an occupation. We'll also go back in time and talk about housing issues and affordability uh, way back in 1967. Anyways, thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm Tony Joe. Uh, we like to start our day by bringing up a... Uh, call or an email from a guest uh, or from a listener, sorry, uh, who is interested about the, the real estate market in general. This week we had a call from Heather. And as a reminder, if you have uh, any questions or um, uh, anything about real estate that you'd like us to bring up at a next show, you can get in touch with us either by going online, cfax1070.com, or you can call our number, which is 250-414-6540. That's 250-414-6540. Leave a message, and we'll address your question. So this one comes from Heather, and it was a voicemail. Uh, her, her story basically was that she's got a house for sale in a really hot area of town. I won't mention it. I, I know what it is because she mentioned it. Uh, she's noted that everything else around her has sold, and has sold really quickly, all significantly above list price, but hers remains on the market after 30 days. She wants to know what's up and what's the story. Is there a problem with the house or the market? Is it shifted? Uh, all of those things. Well, you know, I don't want to get too deep into it. I know that you have an agent right now, and I most definitely respect the fact that uh, your agent is a professional and, and has given you good advice. I don't know the whole backstory. Um, what I can tell you about, though, is what's happening out there in the marketplace right now. You have noticed, like you said, that a lot of your neighboring, a lot of your neighbors have sold very quickly. Uh, and often for considerably above uh, list price. It's a phenomenon right now that we're not used to seeing here in Greater Greater Victoria. I mean, uh, it is common in Vancouver. We're seeing it quite often in Toronto. That's this whole multiple offer bidding war situation. I've been talking about it here on the show for for weeks now. Uh, It is just the flavor of the day. Uh, Our guests will tell us later, this is most definitely not something that we see on a regular basis. Uh, This is the sort of 0.1% of the market that we see uh, over time. And uh, what is really happening is that, especially in an area like yours, uh, sellers are choosing to intentionally, we'll use the word underprice, although I need to quantify that a little bit more. They're intentionally underpricing their homes to go on market in order to generate a lot of buzz and a lot of interest with the idea, of course, to, to create a bidding war of six, ten, I had 17 just a couple of weeks ago myself. Uh, this number of offers uh, creates this buzz. Many of the offers, if not most of them, will be unconditional, so people not having to make it subject to building inspection or subject to financing. Uh, and, of course, this is a great position to be as a seller because you want to have a number of uh, viable buyers bidding for your house, and this typically ends up being uh, we've seen. in your area, Heather, by the way, just a little while ago, and I know that that you've probably seen that as well. So the question is, why does it end up being that way? Well, the biggest thing is it depends on where you start. So what is the price point that a home seller is wanting to start at? Because in a typical marketplace, you would probably price it at where your agent feels the market value is. 
that makes a lot of sense. And if for some reason or other you don't get a bite over time, say three weeks, a month, two months down the road, you may decide to either reduce uh, the price of the property or consider offers that are that are less than the asking price. But right now, the reason why these people are getting these offers that are so much higher is because they are, as I said, pricing it more attractively in order to create a buzz and, and create a lot more activity. You, you probably know it because people have been going through open houses and they see uh, 10, 15, 20 parties in the house at the same time. Um, again, for all of our listeners here, this is really not a typical market. This is just what's happening right now. We're under no illusions about the fact that this this will stay forever because it will go back to normal at some point. But it does make sense for any sort of home sellers right now who, any sort of home seller who's thinking about maximizing uh, their sale right now to actually consider actually going to market uh, using this sort of technique. Is it right? Uh, I, I, My own personal opinion is not necessarily. I mean, of course, when people underprice their property for sale, uh, it does... Uh, to some people, uh, people, I'll give you an example. For instance, if you have a house that's a million dollar house and you put it on the market at eight ninety nine, what the, what'll happen there is you'll get some people that are qualified up to nine hundred thousand dollars, who all of a sudden think they have a chance to purchase this million dollar house because the price looks so great. But of course, what ends up happening is they compete with, like I said, six, ten, seventeen other offers. The house ends up selling for a hundred, sorry, a million. And fifty or one point one million dollars, sellers happy because they got a hundred thousand dollars more than perhaps they should have. Uh, but of course, it makes for some buyers that are that are unhappy because they thought for a brief moment that they had a chance. So, uh, is it the right thing to do? Well, unfortunately, it's just what is common in today's marketplace, particularly with certain neighborhoods. Uh, and to get back to your question, Heather, as to why your house is on the market after 30 days, um, you'll just need to chat with your agent about pricing. I mean, was your initial ask price correct? And again, that's a conversation you'll want to have with your real estate professional um, because there is a lot more to consider than just simply putting your house on the market today. Uh, I know it's it's uh, disheartening to see other homes around the neighborhood selling when you're not, um, but effective pricing, again, is the thing that will that will really help you. Uh, again, if you have any questions that you want to bring up here on our show, The Home Show with me, Tony Joe, uh, you can go online, cfax1070.com, or call us at 250-414-6540. Uh, my guest today are Bill Ethier. Bill is the president and managing broker of Royal LePage uh, here in Victoria. Bill, thanks for coming. Well, thanks for having me. And also Bev Heighton. Bev is the broker owner of NAI, I'm sorry, Bev, NAI Commercial uh, here in Victoria. Thanks for coming, Bev. Fine. Glad to be here. Great. So uh, before we get into your individual uh, segments here, I always like to have a conversation about, um, you know, what's happened in your week. Uh, about real estate. So what sort of uh, situation? I know Bill's got stories to tell us because you just came back from <laughs> Ottawa, right? Yes, I was just at the uh, Korea AGM on Monday um, and Tuesday in the T3 Summit. So, okay, so for those listening, Korea is the Canadian Real Estate Association, and that's the annual general meeting, right? Yes, it's the annual general meeting where we uh, approved last year's bylaws, um, talk about uh, some changes maybe within our local bylaws. I mean, last year's minutes, sorry, in our, in our bylaws. 
um, as well as um, uh, within that voting our new directors who will be representing um, the realtors across the country for, for another two years. Okay, so actually listeners should know as well too, CREA is, of course, the national body of uh, real estate. We've got our local real estate board, Victoria Real Estate Board. Mm-hmm. We've got the provincial British Columbia Real Estate Association, and then CREA is the, the national one. Uh, give us an example of what CREA oversees and exactly what it does what it does. Uh, Korea oversees the uh, Realtor.ca for, for many li- listeners will know that that's the Because uh, everyone the goes there. Everyone goes there. For real estate. Exactly. So they, they manage and run and control that and the, and the, and the MLS system for, for nationally for the, for the country. And so, um, and there are uh, larger advocate too, as well as um, within federal policies and government liaison yeah. for nationally. Yeah, so a lot of things going on there. Just just stepping back a, a little bit here to Realtor.ca. Uh, of course, you know, people locally here go online because they want to look at real estate. Sometimes they forget about the fact that Realtor.ca is Canada-wide. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, that is a resource that the Americans don't have. Correct. Correct. Yeah, yeah that's one of the, the, the beautiful things about our uh, national MLS system here is it's nationally across country. And it's um, more and more international buyers um, and shoppers for real estate in Canada are starting to find it as well yeah. um, to utilize that. One of the things I love about Realtor.ca, of course, is, you know, we go traveling. Bev, you're going to be in Calgary next week. And when you're in Calgary, of course, you can just pull up Realtor.ca and have a look at properties around you, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So what's happening with you, uh, Bev? This week? Yes. This last week? Well, let me just think about that. We've been helping a lot of people attain their commercial real estate requirements. We do quite a bit of leasing um, for both landlords and on behalf of tenants looking for appropriate space for their company, their operation, whatever that is. Um, We've also been heavily involved in quite a few uh, interesting sales of commercial property over the last couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, we're quite a... A small but uh, busy office in the commercial world. But it goes without saying that there are, things are happening in the commercial world here in Victoria. Oh, most definitely, yes. It's uh, in a, in transition. We've had some interesting times in the Victoria real estate market, in the downtown core, some of the retail mm-hmm. um, issues, the parking issues, some of the local governance issues. Um, all of that makes for a very dynamic marketplace. So we're going to cover a lot of that when we have you one-on-one here in just a few moments. You're here listening to The Whole Home Show with me, Tony Joe. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment, again, talking with Bill Ethier, who is the president and managing broker of Rolla Page here in Victoria, and also Bev Heighton, uh, who's got a long history here, but he's also the broker owner of NAI uh, Commercial here in Victoria. Back in just a moment. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with me, Tony Joe, here on CFAX 1070. Just want to remind you, if you miss our shows, which are airing Saturday afternoons, you can always find our podcasts on either YouTube or Google Play. Our past episodes uh, will all be posted there. A great way for you to catch up on some of the great guests and conversations that we have here. Also, too, if you have... Uh, a burning desire, a question, or something about real estate that you want to bring up here on our show, you can get in touch with us by visiting cfax1070.com or calling us at 250-414-6540. That's 250-414-6540. I am now here with our next guest, who is Bill Ethier. Bill is the president and managing broker of Royal LePage here in Victoria. 
Bill is also a director of the Real Estate Board. Uh, he's been with Real Page since 2006. Uh, I've had the um, uh, I've had the privilege of getting to know Bill over the years. He's very active in our real estate community. Uh, right now, of course, Real Page uh, is one of our largest brokerages here in Victoria, with about 134 members. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and your market share is somewhere around twelve and a half percent. Like you, the world of page as as often in uh, Canada uh, has a good market share uh, as it does here in Victoria. So thanks coming, thanks for coming here, uh, Bill. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I want to talk about is real estate as a as a job, mm-hmm. because of course when the real estate business is busy, as we have right now with a very busy market, a lot of times people think, "Hey, this seems like a good job, you know, a good job to have, good, good uh, um, occupation," uh, and of course they will end up speaking to someone like you. Correct. Yeah. So uh, tell us, are, are you are you seeing a lot of people? Coming oh. and wanting to join the real estate business. Yes, uh, over the last year and a half, uh, it's uh, been an incredible number of people um, coming to see us. I run a, a, a career night once a month, and I get anywhere between ten and twenty uh, people inquiring about a career in real estate. Some people have started the course. Some people are just um, dipping their toes in the water to see if it's a viable career for them. But anytime there's an uptick in the market, yeah. um, when real estate's in the press in a very positive way from from houses selling above price, people it, it engages people to come in and, and think it might be a career for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, right now we're at what about thirteen hundred members, right, in Victoria? Yesterday I saw it was one thousand three hundred and fifty-four. Okay, so thirteen hundred and fifty-four realtors, licensed realtors, realtors. in Greater Victoria. Uh, now, in my twenty-six years, I've seen that number, and, and Bev, you can chime in here as well too. But I've seen that number go from eight hundred to eighteen hundred. Mm-hmm. So we're we're in a flux all the time. Yeah, exactly right, Tony. Um, over the years, there has been ebbs and flows and yeah. generally related to the marketplace as to what is happening in the community. Um, it is also a demographic uh, thing, too. But uh, when I first came into the real estate business, the average age of a realtor was probably 60, a second <laughs> career, yeah. military guy, all men, virtually no women in the business. Yeah. It's, it's shifted over the years. Well, yeah, that has changed now, right, Bill? It has. Uh, the majority of, uh, of realtors in the business now are women. Yeah. Um, the average age hasn't changed too much. Um, when I was at the CREA, the Canadian Real Estate Association Conference, we were talking about that. And the demographic fits the average age is still between 55 and 58. Yeah. Um, but we are seeing more millennials um, coming into the marketplace Definitely. right now. And it's a, a, good, a good thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and as Bev mentioned, though, too, I mean, quite often, this is not a first career. This is a this is often a second or third or fourth career, right? Correct. Uh, yeah, it, it always is. It's usually somebody coming out. Maybe they've um, had their career. They've been able to uh, get themselves, uh, you know, financially well established to be able to start a career where it's commission based and and um, you're not getting paid every couple of weeks. So it gets sense of job security and security in that position. But again, on the flip side, um, I'm seeing more and more younger people, millennials in their um, you know in their 20s and early 30s, who are embarking out on possibly their first career in real estate. Yeah. Or like me, first and only career. career. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I've been, it's 26 years yeah. for me. So, you know, I started when I was five, right? Oh, I thought it was 12. Yeah, I should okay. have aged well, Tony. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, so, Bill, I mean, you just brought up a point about um, a, a commission-based career. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a good amount of uncertainty there. Correct. So what, what appears to you to be the biggest hurdle that people face when they're considering real estate as a career? Uh, it's giving up that um, that uh, that check that can come through on a on a two week basis. A comfort. It, it's a it's a special individual who who can manage and and finance and finance themselves well enough to be able to um, 
uh, to be able to be comfortable knowing that it could be a month or two months between paychecks. Uh, or more. And, or more. Yeah, and, especially on the commercial side, right, Bill? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and I think the most important thing for a, a, license, a potential licensee is to think about um, having enough money to maintain themselves and their family for a period of time because that check, as has been said, doesn't come in with regularity, and it may be some time before you've actually... Uh, gotten involved in a real estate uh, transaction, and it takes some time for that money to start to flow. Yeah. So the uh, economic pressures on people have to be very closely looked at before one embark embarks on a on a real estate career. Sure, and and Bill, I'm sure it helps to have like a spouse, for instance, that has a a, a secure job. Yeah, it's always good to go out and get a spouse. Oh, just okay. when you want to embark on a real estate career. No, oh, it's yeah. true. If you have um, if you have money and and means from other ways, um, either you know going to your 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 financial institution before you quit your job in real estate and and, and applying for a line of credit um and also um and if you've actually been able to save that money because it can be up to 6 months before you get your first paycheck and that's what I always tell people to give them that sense and sometimes they come earlier but if you have that 6 month um, timeline in mind, because once the first one comes, uh, the second one comes pretty quick after it, and it's a snowball effect. Got it. To- We're here with Bill Ethier, who is the president and managing broker of Royal LePage TPM Realty here in Victoria. Uh, would you say then, Bill, that that's the biggest, um, the thing that turns potential realtors away is that uncertainty? Um, it is, um, yeah. There's, it's a, it's a, it, it's a big leap of faith for some people. Um, anybody opening up and embarking on their own business, um, and it, it all rests on their shoulders, is a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's one of the biggest things. Um, the education is the education part about it. Um, it takes time and diligence to get that part of it done. And uh, but it's really the, uh, the finding out if it's it. And through that process, some people find out if it's a career for them or not. So what do you say to somebody when they say, okay, well, there's 1,354 realtors in Victoria. Are there too many? Like, uh, is there a place for me as Mm -hmm. a potential new realtor? I get that question all the time. Um, It goes back to the 80-20 rule. 20% of the people make 80% of the money. Of that 1,354 realtors that we have currently in Victoria, a good majority of them are, would be considered more part-time realtors, people who are, um, are on their third or fourth career, and they're doing maybe a few deals a year. They like to be engaged in a professional, in a professional work environment. Um, and so there is a lot of room for people to come up. If you've got ambition, drive, determination, um, you've got a solid business plan behind you, um, there, is, there, is, there is room for ev- anyone who has that, that ambition. Yeah, and of course, one of the things uh, that is different from when I was licensed uh, 26 years ago is today, licensees can actually have another job, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. So we are seeing people who are who are, uh, I don't know, running other businesses aside from real estate. So in a sense, that could be their security blanket, right? It can be, can and it can also be their security blanket and a bit of a crutch. Um, you keep one foot in that sort of you know private world where you're getting money on on the side doesn't really allow you to get fully engaged in the real estate business. And so you do have to make that that um, shift of saying, okay, I'm going to become a professional full-time realtor. Um, and then once you make that shift and drive forward, then you can, then there's the opportunities are in front of you. As long as you have that part-time job on the side or that job on the side, it can hold you back. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you see that a lot and people can't, but I understand it's it's a it's a tough decision to make to say I'm going to give good, up. It's a good point, you know, because when I was licensed, uh, I had to get rid of my job, and mm-hmm. it was like it was cutting the cord. It was tough. It is tough. It was a tough decision, but at the time, it it uh, I could only think that it it helped me 
when I started off in the business. It does. And when I talk to new people coming in, particularly people who are younger, who, are, who have a, part, a job right now, I always work with them and saying, okay, what's your six-month strategy to get yourself off that one job onto a full-time career in, in real estate and professionalism yeah. in that aspect? Because you are more valuable to your potential client if you're fully engaged in the profession. Yeah. So we work on that transition. Um, and so some people, it's kind of nice when you're in the office one day and they said, I quit my job. I'm full <laughs> nice. in. And you're like, far out. Right Celebrate. On. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a business because you've mentioned a couple times it's a business. It is. Now, as a business, it's expensive too. It is expensive. Um, you know, your startup costs, you're not going out and, and um, leasing any space, particularly for yourself, like if you're opening up a restaurant and buying, you know, chairs and hiring staff. But um, you are starting your marketing campaign. You've got, you got your fees that you pay to your brokerage. You've got your licensing fees. Um, and then you've got to put food in your table um, and pay the rent uh, without any income coming in. So you've got to kind of look at, and all those, and Bev pointed out to that earlier about the uh, well. This is financial. this is a really big conversation, but uh, we're going to pick this up because we've got more time for the rest of the show here. But Bill, if people need to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Um, they can contact me. Uh, my phone number is two five zero five nine two four four two two. Uh, they could either reach me at my email address, which is bill.ethier, so that's E-T-H-I-E-R, at royallepage.ca, um, or on their website, rlpvictoria.com. That's great. Thanks, Bill. We're going to be back in just a moment, going back in time, talking about affordability here in Greater Victoria. This is The Whole Home Show with me, Tony Joe, and we're talking now about housing affordability in Greater Victoria. My guest right now is Bev Heighton. Uh, Bev, I had to actually do some research, and I pulled up Bev's bio. I have to tell you, it's long, <laughs> and it's going to take me a whole show to go through the whole thing, but, but for our listeners here, it's important for them to know uh, about Bev's background here. Bev's been licensed for 50 years. Uh, you've been licensed for longer than I've been around. <laughs> uh, you were you became an agent. So, of course, uh, in those days, uh, an agent was different than a salesperson, right? That's correct, yeah. You became an agent in 1971. Uh, you were the manager of uh, what is now DFH, yes, real estate, correct, right? Yep. Between 1972 and 1979. You became a director of the Victoria Real Estate Board in 1977. You were the president uh, I was the president in 2008. You were in 1978 and 1979. You've also spent time with BCREA, which is the British Columbia Real Estate Association, both as a director uh, and vice chair. Uh, wow. What else? We've got director and chair of the Real Estate Errors and Emissions Corporation. Yeah, we helped set that up. Um yeah. Yeah, and for, for listeners, for listeners, what that is is errors and omissions. Of course, are if agents make a mistake, it's a it's a fund that um, uh, that helps them out, right? Right. Lawyers have that too. Yes, indeed. Yeah, you were also director of the Real Estate Council of BC uh, for a number of years. The Real Estate Council is the power; it, they have the power to take away people's real estate. The regulatory licenses. body. The regulatory body. Yes, you spent a lot of time there. You chaired. Um, or I'm almost done here. <laughs> You've chaired biz business practices hearings here in Victoria and arbitration hearings, uh, also mediation uh, between uh, real estate board and civil uh, bodies. Um, you really are one of Victoria's um, oldest. <laughs> oldest, okay. I was going to say you are one of Victoria's uh, true experts, your experience extends far beyond just selling real estate, which is also something that you're licensed to do. Uh, you are the broker owner of NAI Commercial here in Victoria. Uh, anyways, that's my introduction to you. So thanks for coming, Beth. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> yes. Oh, and you're my neighbor too. I, I forgot am. to mention that. Yes. Yes. You live down the street. Um, so 
I've had this conversation with you, Bev, and, and I just want to uh, start off with our listeners by reading them the headline. Actually, it's a cover of a magazine. And the cover is, Why Can't These People Buy a House? An angry coast-to-coast report on our most frightening national hang-up and what could be done about it. Now, housing affordability is an issue right now. I mean, our... Well, I, I, some of the headlines that we see today are the housing crisis in Canada is out of control. Yeah. Um, I don't understand how Canada, one of the richest countries in the world, have more than a million Canadians that are in unsuitable housing and yeah. substandard housing. Yeah. In Victoria, more than a thousand people are in urgent need of housing. Yeah. How can housing prices increase so fast in such a short period of time? These are topical today headlines. Yeah. So, Bev, why haven't I found this magazine? Well, the interesting thing is that this is a national magazine, and some of your listeners will remember. The Star Weekly magazine. What is Star Week? I've never well, even seen it, that. Unfortunately, it's out of print now. I think uh, all the editors grew too, too old and retired. But uh, this particular magazine that I have here, which is headline, Why Can't These People Buy a Home?, is November the 4th, 1967. <laughs> 1967. So it's, it's interesting how these times cycle themselves throughout our history. And certainly we're in a cycle right now where all of these headlines from 1967 would fit and describe the situation that we have today, albeit with slightly different numbers well, or zeros attached. So I'm, I'm looking at this article right now, and you can literally change the numbers. You can change the prices, and the story is the same. Identical. And we're talking 50 years ago. Yeah. So, so I'm assuming that all the uh, reporters and the media that are reporting on this matter have a copy of this magazine, which they plagiarize and just change the numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, not, not quite. But actually, I want to bring up a couple things because in this article, they talk. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to scan it. I'll post it on on our uh, website so that uh, listeners can can listen to it. But uh, they're comparing households in different cities in Canada. So in Vancouver, uh, they talk about David, who's a irregularly employed carpenter. Him and his wife live in a basement of her mother's house. They have five children. Um, but they, they, they're not able to afford a house, right? Uh, the next one here is uh, in Halifax, uh, Mrs. Sykes um, uh, has been living in a trailer for six years, and sh- there's nothing suitable for her uh, to find. Uh, and it would, if she goes out of town, it means long bus rides for her two children to go to school. I mean, these are stories that are, that are not unlike what no, we're seeing they're, today. They're prevalent today. And there's different forces at work and have been over the years that affect and influence real estate in any period of time. And general, I I guess the general influences, I would think, are interest rates has a very big influence. Of course. Um, International affairs have influences on real estate valuations, as well as local government and national government regulations, tax laws, um, restrictions on development, and and so forth. Yeah. So those three influences. Actually, let's talk about the first one because you, yeah, you said interest rates. You said interest rates. Now, 1967, the rates were what? They well, were... in 1967, um, CMHC 
was struggling with the um, idea of providing more money to allow more people to qualify to buy homes. But the interesting thing is there that the interest rate was 8.5%. Now, most people today would just roll over and think, my goodness, how could anybody afford 8.5%? But that was the going rate back in that day. And it got a lot higher. And a lot higher. And there's one of the interesting ones in 1981 where we had a massive collapse of real estate prices in Victoria specifically. Mm -hmm. 1981... Uh, by June of 1981, interest rates went up to 18 and 20 percent on a mortgage, on a first mortgage. Yeah. And then the market just collapsed and it dropped like a stone. And by the end of uh, 1981, the real estate market in Victoria had suffered about a 30 to 35 percent loss of value. Yeah, prices. That, yeah. And, and that uh, maintained itself over probably six years before the market started to move up and get up to the level that it dropped off. Okay, but it is important to mention. So 1981, prices back, uh, uh, off the top of my head, your prices were something like 70,000? 70, 70, yeah, somewhere in there, yes. Yeah. I don't have, I have a large graph which shows all yeah. of the running prices over the years, but you can see how they ebb and flow. But that was it was a crisis at the time. People talk about Black Thursday. It was a Thursday after. You were there. Of I course. was there. I, I we, <laughs> in fact, we had a couple of large projects that we were constructing at the time in uh, in 1981, and the market just stopped and dropped off. And there we were stuck with half finished projects, and that was a very significant difficulty yeah. for the development industry in Victoria. Okay, so I, I'm guessing right now that some listeners are, are listening to you talk about 1981 and perhaps right now thinking, well, this could happen today. What, what would happen if uh, the real estate market dropped and could we see a 35% reduction in values overnight? Not, it's not impossible. I'm not forecasting that. Yeah. Um, but it has happened in the past and it's, it's happened uh, not infrequently. And, uh, you know, one of the other uh, times that we had a significant uh, um, adjustment in in valuations of real estate, and this was due to international affairs over which we have little uh, control, and that was in 2008 when you had the subprime mortgage meltdown mostly centered in the United States, but that cast a shadow over the entire planet and real estate in a number of countries uh, suffered greatly. In Victoria, our market basically stopped, yeah. and you saw masses of signs all over the place saying price reduced. Um, there was projects that were stalled and abandoned, literally, yeah. because of that um, drop in real estate valuations in 2008. A lot of foreclosures were happening yeah. as properties' value were less than what the mortgage outstanding on the You know, lost. it's interesting because I remember specifically at that time, it was the only time I can think of in memory that houses in Oak Bay weren't selling. <laughs> yeah. Right? And yes. and it, it was a really odd <clears throat> thing. But, but, getting, but just circling back to that, though, 2008... Uh, it took, it was 2010 where things came back. Started and, to move again. And prices yes. came up again. Yes. So I, I think one of the stories about Victoria is it's quite resilient because even when we see a drop or a massive shift, we tend to recover quite quickly, uh, you'd agree, right? 
Um, we do, although generally the drop-off is much quicker than the recovery. Sure. So, like I mentioned in 1981, where it was in June of 81, where it dropped off by 30%, it just went straight down. Yeah. And then it took probably eight years to slowly get above where we were before. Similarly, in 2008, basically the international subprime market collapsed and prices dropped virtually immediately, and then gradually over time, yeah. it recovered. So I'm just curious. I, I didn't bring this up with you before. In 1981, when that drop happened, mm -hmm. where were you? Like, did you, were you in the same house? Were you, like, personally? Was well, it, were you? Yes, we, um, we had actually just moved yeah. into the street where we occupy now. Okay. And uh, we, we actually purchased the the home off the bank where a builder had yeah. built the property with the expectation the market would continue on and unfortunately it didn't and basically we were able to purchase this property uh, through an arrangement with the bank and uh, so 1981 I had just started yeah. my own real estate company Heighton and Associates yeah. um, leaving DFH uh, real estate and uh, what an interesting time to start a real estate yes. company at the absolute so, bottom of the market. Nice. <laughs> so I, I guess where I'm getting at is this. You know, people are always concerned about that point in time when the market drops. But what you've just said is you moved into uh, the house that you're in right now. At yes, I've been there a long time. So, so really, whether the market goes up or down, whether it's 1981 or 2008 or whatever, you're in your house. Yes. And it kind of doesn't really matter if the market's up or down, right? Well, it depends on the level of mortgage that you have on the property. So, you know, people are looking at their uh, mortgage against the value of the house, and they're either in a deficit or yeah. <clears throat> they're in a positive side of the, of the ledger. So, you know, that is always a consideration. Yeah, interesting. Well, yeah. we're here with Bev Heighton. Bev is the uh, broker owner of NAI Commercial. Uh, Bev, if people need to reach you, what's the best way to do that? Either by telephone, 250-381-2265 at the office, or they can uh, email me, bheighton at naicommercial.ca. And spell Heighton for us. H-I-G-H-T-O-N. That's great. Uh, here with Bev Heighton, we'll be returning in just a moment, having a conversation also with Bill Ethier, who is the president uh, of Royal LePage, back in just a moment. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with me, Tony Joe. And if you have missed part of this episode, you can always hear us streaming on cfax1070.com or you can find us, you can find our podcast either on iTunes or on Google Play. Uh, and as a reminder, too, you can always call in if you have any questions about real estate. Our number here is 250-414-6540. That's 250-414-6540. I'd be happy to address any questions that you have on a future show. We're having a great conversation here right now uh, with a couple of prominent individuals in local Victoria real estate. We have Bill Ethier. Bill is the president and managing broker of Royal LePage TPM Realty here uh, in Victoria. And also Bev Heighton, who is a 50-year veteran of real estate. Uh, he's also the broker owner of NAI Commercial. Now, Bev, I just want to pick up on the conversation uh, that we were having just before the last break there. We were talking about the market shifts in 1981 uh, and also the, st the story, the, the, the magazine that you have here right now from November 1967 talking about housing affordability. Right. Now, when I look at that magazine, I think, 
is this a lingering problem that's been with us for 50 years? Will it ever go away? I, I would say no. Um, but That's kind of harsh because, of course, but, people but, hope that it will. Yes, right? it's all prefaced by uh, supply and demand. Yep. Um, the uh, particular situation that we have internationally, which we've uh, described with 2008, we also have influences such as interest rates, which we talked about for 1981. Today, we have historic low interest rates, which, of course, allowed more and more people to buy more and more real estate because of the low interest rates. Yeah. This has created a uh, demand part of the equation, which is another aspect of real estate valuation. So right now, we have a limited supply with a relatively strong demand, part of it fueled by very low interest rates. And the other is by demographic growth within our community. Well, we're at 365,000 population now. Right. Yeah. So, And that is growing steadily, not hugely quickly, but it, it uh, is definitely growing steadily. And we have certain areas that are growing more quickly than other because of the availability of product in those particular locations. Yeah. However, um, we have a limited supply overall. Some people are suggesting that perhaps the condominium market, especially within the city, might be in a more balanced uh, position as some of these projects that you can see with the cranes on top are starting to come on stream. So that should be a moderating influence in the local Victoria City area for condominium uh, purchases. Yeah. The other um, issue, though, is a limited supply. And what really causes those limits? Well, um, government regulations can limit supply. Government regulations that um, restrict height, density within their particular areas, and the provincial government's um, restriction on agri what they used to call, really, uh, the agricultural land reserve, mm -hmm. that has become more oh, of a yeah. land reserve than an agricultural one. Yeah. That was brought in in 1985, and I was invited with others to attend the announcement of that particular uh, program, which they recognized was interfering with private property rights of the individual, but the belief was that they wanted to slow down rampant development, especially in the lower mainland, of really very good agricultural land that was being gobbled up because it's easy to build on. So the uh, government at the time broad-brushed the province and said no more development in this area. Hmm. At the same time, they indicated they were going to go back over the next five years, identify areas that were truly agricultural and other areas that were not, release those that were not, and maintain. So did they do that? No, they didn't. Unfortunately, okay. that just didn't happen. Yeah. And so consequently, we have within the agricultural land reserve areas that really are not agricultural capable. Yeah. We, Yet they're being held. Like they're being held in that manner. Yes. Because and so, and we've had lots of examples locally where these anomalies have, have shown up. The Vantrite property in central Saanich, there was issues with the Alberg property in Saanich. And uh, it was quite the process trying to deal with those areas that were agricultural in nature and those that were not. So, government regulations have reduced 
the land mass that's available for development, consequently putting a squeeze in the old axiom, supply and demand means increase in prices. Oh, goodness. Well, that's Bev Heighton from NAI Commercial. That, you know, it's really important for, for listeners to understand that, that housing prices are really a function of supply. And yes. like you said, supply and demand, when you have this, these amount of people that want product, uh, and are capable of buying it right now because of the fact that interest rates are low. They can leverage, actually, the values out of their own homes to purchase other properties. Exactly. And we're not talking foreign investors here. Like no, we're talking this is local. Local, local people, people. That, that want to do The vast that. majority of our market here is local. Is local. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is no question about that. That's a, that yeah. most definitely. So, Bill, mm-hmm. and circling back to our conversation with you about real estate as a career, because this is kind of related. We're just talking about uh, uh, supply and, and all that. Is Tell listeners, I know the answer because I'm in it, but tell listeners, is this a difficult time for someone to start thinking about real estate as a career? There's no supply. There's multiple offers. There's bidding wars all over the place. What's what's your answer? Um, it can be. Um, I know that's pretty neutral. <laughs> <laughs> um, it really depends on the individual when they're ready to come in the market because you could have – you have. You could have a, a market where it's a buyer's market, where there's more supply than demand, and then you have people coming into the business where it's taking them a lot longer um, to actually show how uh, it takes a long time because you're showing a lot more properties. There's no urgency. There's no urgency. Buyers are taking their time. Something will come up tomorrow. So a, a new individual um, who's working through that might take six or seven or eight months to sell a piece of property. Right now, the properties sell very quickly. Um, so when a buyer comes up and approaches a new realtor, um, there's not as much of that time between showing the properties and then purchasing. Mm-hmm. Um, a slight disadvantage with that particular situation as a new realtor is that they're under pressure a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, they have to know the answer a lot faster, and that's where it's important that they have the right mentorship involved um, in the start of their career because the decision process now is a lot quicker than it is in a different market. Yeah, and I think Bev would agree with this statement as well, too. I mean, technology has changed the speed in which our business runs, too, mm-hmm. right? Dramatically. Yeah, because, hey, let's, talk, let's face it, in 1967, you had a phone line and well, what, yeah, what else? Well, yeah, I mean, we <laughs> would uh, get a call and we'd say, okay, well, we'll pop out to your home maybe tomorrow or the next day and give you a valuation maybe in a couple of days. And then, oh, can you do it that fast? That's okay. wonderful. <laughs> yes. Today we get a telephone call. If you don't have the answer in 30 seconds, they go on yeah. to someone else. And today consumers typically, like they know because they know their assessment of their property. They've researched their oh, neighboring yeah, totally. properties. They, we talked about realtor.ca. Yeah, there's so much resources there. I mean, the speed of uh, the technology has really affected the speed in which Consumers demand service, right? Well, the consumer right now is is um, not to take anything away from a consumer back in, in the time. The resources weren't available to them back in 1967 or 81. But a consumer today is, is much more educated on the real estate market and the trends going on in the neighborhood because they have access to a lot more data and information. Mm-hmm. So the, the consumer, the general public, is much more aware of what's going on. Um, so when you have that conversation, and lucky enough, if they give you a, a phone call, um, Bev, most of the time you get a text. Yeah. <laughs> come yeah. over right now. Yes. <laughs> I need well, to sell I think, my house. I think that's an interesting point, Bill, in that uh, come over right now. I think young realtors talking about careers or realtors in general, young or old, who want to come into the business as a career, have to really understand that their life is not their own anymore, especially in residential. Uh, You are at the beck and call of the public who you serve, Mm -hmm. like instantaneously. That's why I went into commercial. (laughs) We do things by appointment (laughs) in business hours. But um, 
in in residential, you have to be available twenty four seven, and yeah. if not, you're not gonna you're not gonna survive. Especially when you're starting out in your career, yeah. as you mature into your career, you can then start developing that sphere of influence in the referral network, and your clients are repeat clients, and they understand your. Um, you know they 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 appreciate you what you've done in the past when you're new you, you you're hungry you got to go when yeah, the call well, comes you got to go and, and the fact is for what appears to be an easy business for easy money it's I, not and i tell people all the time <laughs> it is not like it's it's difficult it requires the right the right person so um we've got to wrap up your sure. bill if people need to get in touch with you again um they can call me on phone at 250-592-4422 or they can reach me by email bill.ethier that's e t h i e r at royalapage.ca Great. And Bev Heighton. Bev, how can people reach you? 250-381-2265 or my email, bheighton at naicommercial.ca. You know, this is one of those episodes that I'm going to have to re-listen to on a podcast because there's so much great uh, information, especially, Bev. i got to have you back because you, you are the time machine mm-hmm. going back to time. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't read out my bio. <laughs> <laughs> next time. Yeah. Thanks for coming, guys. The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe. I'll be here, as always, next Saturday for our next show. Again, give us a call or visit us on cfax1070.com. The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070.